Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. The 2021 U.S. Open is now less than three weeks away, and after a one-year hiatus, the tennis world has returned to the hard courts of Canada. The men in Toronto, the women in Montreal. It was a big day for the USA north of the border. Several Americans coming good in Montreal and Toronto. However, two-time defending champion Rafa Nadal has pulled out of the draw in Toronto with an injury. Details on that forthcoming. Plus, Hall of Famer Andy Roddick back for a full week of TC Live fun. <laughs> Please stay cool and remain calm. TC Live, next. Young man was intense. Welcome to TC Live on a Tuesday night, day two from Toronto and Montreal. First round is done. Couple second rounders as well. Coming up on the show tonight, we will have full highlights and reaction from day two in Canada, including several Olympic medalists returning to action. We'll preview Simona Halep's return to the court for the first time since May. And American Jesse Pagula already has a couple of side hustles. Is she about to add network programming executive to her resume? We say a good evening to you. Welcome to TC Live. We've got Jeannie Bouchard here. Uh, missing home, I imagine, as you watch Toronto and Montreal. I do have to admit, it's a little painful seeing the tournament go on, but at least I'm keeping up with it in detail. I'm watching more tennis than I ever have in my entire life, so I almost feel like I'm there. And uh, over your shoulder is Hall of Famer Andy Roddick, representing the Sub-500 Hornets from the mountains of Carolina. Good evening, Andy. Easy, Brett. That's no way to start the show. Let's keep it on the up and up, man. I, I just speak facts, Andy. It's not like... Uh... I'm not speaking the truth. Let's, uh, before Andy gets angry, let's get right into the highlights, and we'll start in Montreal with the women, and we'll start with Coco Goff. You know, she's only played 75 matches on tour, but this is already the fourth, Jeannie, that she's played against Anastasia Sevastova. She lost the first three times. What was different today? Yes, Brett, she finally cracked the code against Sevastova. She was playing cool, calm, collected tennis. After the match, she actually said that she was trying to focus more on her side of the net and not the other side because Sevastova can be tricky and mix up the pace a lot, and that's really her big strength. So she served really well, faced only one break point on serve, and she looks confident. Very confident, in fact. Lost just seven points on her first serve. As you said, faced just the one break point. How about just the 32nd win of the year already for Coco Goff? Takes it 6 1 and 6 4. Uh, Sevastova is a, a tricky opponent, Andy. Obviously, a lot of different spins, variety, that kind of thing. Not the usual rhythm. I, I wonder if that has something to do with why Coco lost the first three times and if the fact that she figured it out today reflects kind of another step in her maturation. Yeah, I, I think it absolutely does. You know, at least for me, when I first came on tour, the guys who kind of chipped the ball around, played a little awkwardly, 
those were the hardest matches for me to kind of adjust. And then you learn how to play those guys. All of a sudden, you kind of get control of your devices a little bit out there on the court, and you start dominating those matches. That was a dominant scoreline uh, for Coco today against someone she had lost to three previous times. She's only going to get better from here. And the last couple of months, you've seen a lot of progress with Coco. She's starting to take people out. You know, she used to kind of grind out those wins, two, three, four, the third. Now it's one and four. She's getting the scoreline she wants as well as uh, everything looks great. The ball shape, everything she's doing looks, looks really, really, really good. Winning the matches she's supposed to win convincingly. So Coco is through. She'll take on Potapova in the second round tomorrow. Uh, let's move on to another American, Danielle Collins, 48 hours ago. There she was in San Jose lifting the trophy. In fact, that was her second straight trophy after winning on the clay in Palermo as well. So 10-match win streak for the American, but no rest for the weary. Danielle, north of the border, right back at it in Canada today, taking on Jill Teichman of Switzerland, Jeannie. Really well done from Danielle Collins. That's a tough turnaround. She had to travel across the continent and have one day of preparation. These tournaments are completely different conditions. It's much more humid in Montreal. There she is expressing her emotions, both <laughs> positively and negatively, as we also saw in San Jose. But she gets fired up, and that's, that helps her play better. So um, really well done with that tough transition. Very good. So slow start, 4-6, but turned it around 6-1 in the second. And... Uh, We'll spare you the suspense. 6-3 in the third. 11th straight win for Collins. She only served 43% today, Jeannie. If you can win a match when you're only serving 43%, you're finding other ways. Yes, she knows how to win right now. She is confident and just expects to win when she goes on the court. Her lower service percentage, she goes for it more. So she wins when it goes in. It just doesn't go in as often as you see from other players. All right, we flip the map to Toronto. And we'll start with the top seed in this tournament. Daniil Medvedev finished runner-up to Rafa last time this event was played in 19. Taking on Sasha Bublik today. Yeah, tricky matchup. Bublik's one of the guys who could actually come out and bother Medvedev because he can come forward. And on a hard court, you kind of have to do that uh, to create. He's not going to lose to someone neutral. This is one of my favorite things I've ever seen. And between the legs, Medvedev, big, Medvedev called for a hindrance against Medvedev, which <laughs> I don't really understand. Yeah, he apologized. I don't know. I've, I've never seen two guys just openly laugh at a ruling that's been made. Uh this was good theater, though. I was I, I was watching. I thought it was. I actually thought he got tagged also, so I was right there with the apology. But uh, Medvedev called for the hindrance on Medvedev. Uh, anything that happens from here on out is going to be boring. <laughs> but here we are. That's point. <laughs> you know, okay, doing what he felt in our hard court, grinding out wins. This is where he feels most comfortable. He kind of got through the, the the clay, not real comfortable. Did well at Roland Garros. Now he's back in the heart. This is his service. This is where he needs to make his move. This is why he's ranked as high as he is. Uh, not because of the hindrances, because of his general uh, a, a level of accomplishment on hard courts. He, he, he was trying to apologize for nailing him with that little overhead, and that was what got him called for the hindrance. Whatever. It, it all worked out for, for Medvedev. Uh, listen, uh, this is his favorite time of year, Jeannie. We, we saw Medvedev make six straight finals on hard courts a couple of years ago. Um, we know that Djokovic is the favorite at the U.S. Open. After Novak, where do you put Medvedev as sort of the next group of favorites if Tsitsipas is part of the conversation and, and Zverev and some of the other guys? Is he, is he right there? He is right up there. He's very confident on the hard courts as well, mentioning that he thinks it's hard for players to beat him when he's playing well on hard court. And I love his chances at the U.S. Open. He was obviously the, the bad guy a couple years ago, and I like that. I like his personality, and I think he has what it takes to go deep. What do you think, Andy? Is he, is he second favorite after Novak? 
Yeah, I think he is. I think it's actually tough to argue against it. He's comfortable with the New York crowd. He actually created a relationship uh, that, that Jeannie was kind of referencing where everyone was kind of against him early on in the tournament, and then he kind of didn't apologize for it. He just kind of went further, and by the end, that epic five-setter with Rafa, there was no apology, but he kind of won over New York, and once they're on your side, they really never leave you. Uh, I, you know, with, with his performance in the World Tour Finals last year, his repeated performances at the U.S. Open, I think it's a clear-cut second favorite at the U.S. Open once, as we stand right now. Once they're on their side, they never leave you, and as Novak Djokovic learned messing with you once they lose you you never get them back <laughs> so uh let's show you what casper rude's been up to this summer if you were impressed with daniel collins two straight titles how about what casper's been doing he won in bostad sweden didn't drop a set there on the clay then a week later went directly to stad in switzerland won that title too apparently you get uh, the prudential piece of the rock logo for winning that hugo gaston in the final then the next week he went to kitzbühel austria apparently sponsored by the kiwanis club that's three tour-level titles in three weeks. <laughs> First player to do that since Andy Murray in 2011. And uh, Andy, who was back at it again today in Toronto, taking on Marin Chil It's nice being young, isn't it, Andy? It is. And those trophies were humongous. I don't know how he fits those anywhere. But anyways, <laughs> here we are on the hard courts. And Kessler, you know, he's a confident player, but he certainly wants to see uh, if he can make his mark on the hard courts. Largely unproven so far. Still, it's just for him. There barely hangs on gets to break. If we know anything about Marin Silic, he is the uber professional, will always fight till the end. And uh, here it is, Casper with the, this one does not barely miss. This misses by a lot. Uh, that was, uh, take take your bases there. Uh, Touch them all. His eyes were closed. Absolutely. Exactly. You know what I love right here? Is the genuine reaction from Casper Rude. Is like he jumps up like an eight-year-old when he goes, yes! Like, he just got away with something. It was amazing. I think he's in great form. If he can kind of get it rolling here on the hot courts, he creates more RPMs, even statistically more than a guy named Rafa Nadal on mm -hmm. that forehand than anyone on tour. So, guy can play. Uh, I don't know what he was so surprised about. He's now won 12 matches in a row. He should be pretty used to winning. So, Rude moves on. Uh, the guy you were just mentioning, who also hits a lot of spin on the forehand, Rafa, made some news today. A bit unfortunate for the fans in Toronto, and that is that he has withdrawn from the tournament. He was, as you know, slated for the rematch against Lloyd Harris tomorrow. Lloyd Harris beat him in D.C. five days ago. Uh, but, Jeannie, look, we watched him play in D.C. last week. He, he was noticeably limping in that first match with the foot injury. Does this surprise you that he pulled? Doesn't surprise me at all. I'm actually surprised he even traveled to Toronto yeah. because of how much pain he seemed to be in D.C. last week. But it's a similar story with Novak. He knows what's best for himself. I think it's an even more important situation because there is a clear injury than Novak just resting. So they, they want to get to 21. They got to do what they got to do. Yeah, they want their Grand Slam titles to be able to legally drink in America, so they got they got to do everything they can even if they're hurt. So, but the thing that I don't the thing that I don't understand is like I'm we're watching Rafa Labor last week. All we know is that it's a foot injury. We don't actually know what the injury is, and he's had it for a couple months now. So this is this is pretty conserving. And what a what a rough week for Cincinnati, losing Roger earlier in the week. Novak announcing he's not going to come. Rafa is now out. Serena and and Kenan. Are, are now no-shows. Uh, it, it stinks for this week, but it also is kind of a depressing preview of the future when these megastars and icons move along because uh, eventually they're going to have to stop playing tennis. So uh, tough week for Sensi. I, I hate to see it. It's a tournament that I love, and I know that a lot of these players are, are sorry they're not going to be at. All right, well, think good thoughts for Rafa playing the U.S. Open. His buddy, Feli Lopez, gets the lucky loser spot and also gets Rafa's bye into the second round. A lot more to come on our post-game coverage on this Tuesday. We'll check in with Danny and Prakash on the ground in Toronto. 
Toronto, plus why Simona Halep finds herself in unfamiliar territory as she arrives in Canada. That and much more. For two minutes, we're going to have a drink with their Grand Slam titles. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. See live. Here are the featured matches from Canada that we'll have for you on Wednesday on Tennis Channel. Starting with John Isner taking on Christian Gadin. Got to favor John against the Chilean who prefers a clay court. Sabalenka against Sloane Stevens. Can Sloane absorb all that power and on down the line to the nightcap with Monfils and Milman? 11 a.m. Eastern coverage starts on Wednesday. Back in our studios, and Andy touched on it before the break, but uh, the news that in addition to Federer pulling out of Cincinnati yesterday, today the three Grand Slam winning women pulled out, Serena and Venus and Sophia Kennan. Uh, I'm curious uh, for both of you, but I'll start with you, Jeannie. How how did you view this two-week stretch? You've got the back-to-back 1,000s here. It's in the heat of the summer. They're only week-long tournaments, so there's no day off in between like Indian Wells and Miami. Was it kind of a tough ask for players to go deep in both of these tournaments back-to-back? I do think it is a tough ask because the players who go deep will maybe have a tough time the week after, and then one week after that is the U.S. Open. So it's not too surprising seeing a few of the top players pull out. Everyone is just focused on Grand Slams, so it's unfortunate for the fans at these events, but everyone wants that Grand Slam glory. (laughs) Andy, how did you view this two-week stretch knowing that the U.S. Open was the big goal right around the corner? Yeah, for me, I, I felt like if I could stay, I, there was enough time. If there was that week in between and I did well in, in Canada, in Cincinnati, I knew I could kind of take two or three days off leading into the U.S. Open. I, w- I, was, I would much prefer form and confidence going in. I could handle my body and figure out how to pace that, but you can't replicate confidence. So I, I was always a big proponent of trying to really gain steam through those events. I, I didn't really skip them very often. And also it was my best surface and, and kind of on a, a, a surface I really uh, enjoyed. So I always tried to maximize those two weeks. All right, we'll see if that group of players can uh, do damage at the U.S. Open without the maximum preparation. Uh, how about some good news, though? We told you about a bunch of players who aren't showing. Simona Halep is back after missing the last couple months with the calf injury. Uh, the note, though, is that she has dropped down to 13 in the rankings, which ends for Simona, and this is ridiculous, this number, 373 consecutive weeks that she was in the top 10. That was the longest active streak in women's tennis uh, Jeannie, she hasn't played since Rome. What should our expectations, expectations I believe is the word, uh, for Halep be as she comes back in, in Canada? Expectations are low, and she said so herself in her pre-tournament press. As a player, I loved matches, and I think she loves matches as well. She's normally going deep and playing week in, week out. So I think we can expect her to be rusty and not, like, match fit. But at least she's giving herself this tournament to get ready for what's coming ahead at the U.S. Open. What do you think? Uh, She's pretty resilient, Halep. She's proven that on multiple surfaces. Andy, what do you expect from her this week? Well, first of all, props for being in the top 10 for seven plus years. That's yeah. that's no easy Crazy. feat at, at, at the highest level. Uh, you know, I, I agree with Jeannie. All she wants to do is get through her paces. She would love to get two or three matches here just to get her feet underneath her. You know, you can practice as much as you want, but nothing replicates 
match play and especially under you know stressful situations big tournaments her goal is on new york let's stay healthy let's take care of the body let's get some sweat in let's try to peak for the us open but more let's just look after our bodies and give her gives us a, give ourselves a shot in new york uh, interesting matchup uh, in- for Halep at the at the beginning of this tournament. She plays Danielle Collins, who's on the exact opposite end of the match toughness spectrum right now, 11 wins in a row. So is that extra tough for Simona, or could she catch Danielle being a little tired? It totally depends on that. It's exactly two opposite players, one who has not played in three months and one who has won 11 matches in a row. So if Danielle Collins is not tired yet, then I think she has the advantage because she is so in tune with her game and her matches right now. And Simona could be rusty. Yeah, if the matchup was purely based on uh, on balls and strikes and who plays what where, uh, Halep accepts power about as well as anyone on tour. She can actually run down a lot of the balls uh, and, and kind of uh, play play good defense against Daniel Collins. Now we don't know what we're going to see from from Halep. I think the first you know six seven games of this match will really dictate uh, what kind of match it becomes later on in the in kind of the latter stages. By the way, in case you're wondering who has the longest streak ever of weeks in the top ten consecutively, uh, that would be our buddy Martina Navratilova. A thousand consecutive weeks in the top. That's 19 <laughs> years in the top ten. I don't know if anybody's My ever broken it. My brain does not comprehend that. All right. Uh, lots more to come on the show. Jeannie's favorite segment, our social media roundup. Plus, we'll check in on the defending women's champion in Canada, who is herself Canadian. BB's back. We are, too. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back on TC Live, and as we've been doing at big tournaments around the world this year, we're doubling down on our coverage in Canada. In addition to Tennis Channel, you can see these matches tomorrow on our family of regional sports networks. Felix Ojealiasim against Lajevic and the Russian showdown between Karatsev and the silver medalist from Tokyo, Hatchinov, Leif Shiras, and Nico Pereira. We'll have that action. We go back to Montreal for some highlights. Sloane Stevens, former finalist in Canada, taking on Diana Yastremska. Hard-fought win for Sloane here, Jeannie. Yes, Brett. We have two different styles here. Yastremska, who loves to be aggressive and hit her shots, and Sloane doing what she just did there, running down every ball. She played more conservatively today, only had seven winners. Um, so that was working for her in the first set. In the second set, Yashemska found her groove and was making the errors that she was making first. She was making them as winners in the second. But Sloan just hung tough in the third and just outgrinded her opponent. From 4-2 down in that third set, as you can see, got the break back and then stepped on the gas from there. Sloan, good day. Returning, converted six out of seven break points. Remember, she needed a wild card to get in here, ranked number 62. Love seeing wild cards put them to good use. And now Sloan gets Arena Sabalenka. We'll see if she can absorb all that power. All right, here's the defending champ, Bibi Andrescu. She struggled since making the Miami final back in the spring. How'd she look against Harriet Dart today, Jeannie? So she, Bianca had all the pressure tonight being the defending champion, the number two seed, and playing at home. And she started off really well. And she, it looked like it was going to be a quick match. She was steamrolling Dart 
In the second set, Dart was hanging with her in the rallies and actually playing aggressively and controlling those points. But in the third set, when it mattered most, Bianca stepped it up. She started screaming, come on, a little louder, hyping herself up, and got through like champions do. 34 winners in the end for Andrescu compared to just 19 for the British qualifier. First match in Canada for BB since becoming a Grand Slam champion of the 2019 U.S. Open, and it was a successful return home. Got the crowd into it. Uh, I remember you really enjoying, Andy, watching BB play uh, when she sort of broke out two years ago. What is it that you like about watching her? She emotes. She kind of brings everyone into the gutter with her. You know, she'll bring you and make it a, a little bit of a a little bit of a brawl. Um, you can tell when she's uh, not happy. You can tell when she's pumped up about something. I thought that reaction, uh, similar to what, what Jeannie was saying, the reaction at the end of the match wasn't as if she just won a first round at any tournament. It was relief. It was joy. It was great to see again. And she needs these matches. She's a little bit like a diesel engine. She takes a bit to get going. She kind of loves these three setters. She loves the, the, the street fight nature of them. And she gets a couple more of these and, and, and watch out. Gutter, Andy, that's a bit intense <laughs> but yeah she does love to fight and kind of dig deep and get into those battles and I think that's where she excels the most and you often see her coming back in a third set and where you don't expect it and she she does it but it was her first match with her new coach Sven Groenfeld mm -hmm. and so they are off to a good start little hiccup in the second set but she said things were going great pre-tournament in the training and so now she has another chance to play tomorrow all right so it'll be either Jabur or Kazakina for BB in the next round let's go back to Toronto for the men you just saw this match last here on Tennis Channel. Uh, oh, this is the Francis Tiafo match from earlier. Francis got the lucky loser in after Sebi Corda pulled out, and he made it count. Yeah, I made the most of it. I love actually love what he's doing on that back inside. He's, he's hitting that and coming in on the second serve a lot this year, and I like it because he has a correct ball play for it, flat through the court. That's the shot where you know if he's confident or not at that full hand. When he's not, he scares and bunches. When he is, he can kind of control the, the geometry of the court. And if pop and serve like that, if he can start serving consistently like that, he's going to have more consistent results. He's flashy. He gets good wins. We want to see him put weeks together at a time where he's winning two, three, four matches a week. Uh, the toughest thing about his day was apparently deciding what he wanted to write on the lens. Uh, he had a do-over there, but uh, make a choice. Uh, you know, he made some good choices today anyways. Unforced error on the lens sign. Here's the nightcap that was just on. Opelka backing up the Kyrgios win with another one against Dimitrov. Yeah, and he came out of the gates hot, really set the tone for the match. And, you know, uh, up until, like, the last game, Dimitrov really didn't have much of a look at the uh, Opelka serve. I thought he played a great game to grind uh, Rigor down here, played an aggressive uh, point here to it, it just cuts the lead. back the wide open line. When you're not playing with the search for confidence, those are the kind of ones you hit the late tape on and miss. And uh, Riley struggled a little bit, actually got himself into a bit of trouble from 30 love up, uh, was able to close it out here uh, at the end of the match. And, uh, upset about some fan who said something. All I know is that I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of that story. He's a big, big man, Brett. Yeah, uh, whatever she said, she probably has buyer's remorse on it. 12 dingers for Opelka. He's into the round of 16. Let's do a, a one hit on the social net on this Tuesday night, and we're going straight to uh, Jesse Pagula, who, like a lot of us, has been watching that show on Netflix, Drive to Survive, the docuseries about F1. And uh, she's got a programming suggestion for the tennis world. She says, uh, why don't we have one of these about tennis? Um, I'd watch it. Would you, Andy? Uh, I would watch anything uh, about tennis. I take Jesse at her word. It must be great, and I'm I'm on Team Pagula. Wait yeah, a minute, so you sure. you, you haven't you haven't watched Drive to Survive? 
No, I haven't, Brett. I have two kids. They're five and three. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, well, Netflix. I haven't watched well, it either. Really? <laughs> yeah. I could tell you. I could tell you all about the latest season of Paw Patrol. <laughs> I could tell. You, I could tell you about. Apparently, there's a movie that's getting critical acclaim that's coming out soon. So, if you want Paw Patrol, I'm your guy. If you want anything cool on Netflix, maybe ask Jeannie or someone else. I don't know. Uh, Paw Patrol is a show that kids watch. When I'm sorry, I'm talking to a 27 year old. I've heard of it. <laughs> Uh, yes. Uh, well, we're, I'm going to get you guys a uh, DVD copy. Do they still make DVDs? I'm obviously no, no. old. Yeah, I don't know. I'll get you a fire stick. Uh, here's how you can watch Canada tomorrow, 11 a.m. It starts TC Live after. Uh, Andy and I are going to go get some uh, Ben Gay, and we'll be back in a minute. <laughs> Back on TC Live, one more look at Wednesday's feature matches in Canada. Coverage beginning at 11 a.m. Eastern on Tennis Channel. Simona Halep, John Isner, Coco Goff, Francis Tiafo all on the menu. Danny Kleppinger and Prakash Amartraj are on the scene as always for Tennis Channel. They've got a preview. All right, Brett, back here at the Tennis Channel desk in Toronto. P, a big day for Simona Halep. She is yes. finally making her return to the court on Wednesday after tearing her calf in Rome. How exciting is this for her? Well, we were, we were both there when it happened. Tremendously unfortunate. And Simona has really been a staple at the top of the game. 373 weeks in a row she's been in the top 10. Now just falling out. Listen, she has nothing to prove to anyone. We all know she's absolutely one of the best we've seen over the last 10 years. We just want her to stay healthy. And I think she's going to have a giant smile on her face returning to what she loves. Looking forward to see Halep and a big day of action here, Brett. All right, guys, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Here's our hot shot of the day, Andy. It comes from Ugo Umber, who's in the far court here against Sitsipas. How about this passing shot, Andy? Oh, my Lord, Brett. That was like, you know what? You, like, you don't really ever have to wonder when Umber has a good shot, do you? Like, he, he gives the crowd. He was into it tonight. I loved it. I've never hit a back end like that ever in my life. I tried to stay away from anything regarding a back end, but that was, uh, that was pretty cool. You can't Off the overhead. Yeah, you can't cover that much line if you're tits about. Yeah, I mean, he extended his grunt and then raised his arms to the air. He's very expressive. During the tiebreak, he was doing some chest thumping as well. So entertaining, to say the least. He's lucky he didn't get called for a hindrance on that, for, for, for the call that we saw earlier in that match. Uh, guys, this was fun and uh, snappy. Let's do it again tomorrow. We're done for TC Live on a Tuesday. Don't forget, 11 a.m. Eastern coverage begins from Toronto and Montreal. For Jeannie and Andy and our entire Tennis Channel crew, I'm Brett. 11 a.m. tomorrow for day three in Canada.